on Stick to Football. We are breaking down the NFC South. Just two divisions to go, fellas, before we are on to previewing college football. So it never stops here. Happy Monday, Mello and Connor. Welcome to the show. Always love our Monday shows. Uh, start off our, your week right. Start off our week right. It's it's great. And we get to talk about the NFC South today. And we are getting to the end of these division previews. So we got to cherish them while we have <laughs> them. And th- these, this division is really important, obviously, in the NFC. Some of the best teams in that conference are in this division. So let's, uh, before, well, we won't waste time. We will waste some time because we do have to talk about something that uh, we've really been breaking down on this show for weeks. And that's, Tyreek Hill and the fact of will he get suspended? Will he not get suspended? Is that even possible? And when it all comes down to it, he does not get suspended. Matt, you've been saying that people around the Chiefs have been hinting at this for a while. Are you the slightest bit surprised here? No. And Yamelo and I did an hour and a half of local radio about this topic on Saturday morning. So we've, we've, we're well versed in this. But no, it's no surprise. And I know that I told you guys a couple months ago, it was like, hey, people with the Chiefs feel like it's going to be less than four games. And then within the last couple of weeks, it's like, I don't think he's getting suspended at all. So we knew this was coming. I, I think what's interesting about this is, we're never going to have the whole story. Like, There's always going to be pieces missing to this puzzle. But, And I'll say this. I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, I'm not a Chiefs fan necessarily. Like, Yes, we live in Missouri, so I, I root for them if they're not playing the Niners or the Patriots. But like, this is going to happen eventually to a player on the team that we're all fans of. This will happen to the Niners. It'll happen to the Jets. And what I wish... For our listeners, like I would beg of you guys, can we please let the whole story come out from now on before we rush to judgment about things? Because, you know, now it's like, okay, in 2014, when he pled guilty to uh, to battery, I think is what the charge was. It, it comes out now that he didn't want to plead guilty. He just couldn't afford an attorney. So his public defender said, hey, just plead it out and you'll do probation and it'll be off your record. And, you know, see, when you hear the full 11 and a half minute phone conversation between Tyree Kill and his fiance, my opinion changed dramatically. And I'm upset that back in April, we got a scrubbed version of that phone call. And it it really painted a picture of one side of this story. And now we've had three months of people saying, fuck that guy, which everyone had the right to do if if he had done these things. But man, I, I'm so disappointed that it was, I think, irresponsibly reported. And now Tyreek Hill forever will have that label over his head. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying everyone has to like him. But man, I, I almost feel bad for him in the way that this was done. Yeah, and I do too. And I think you're 100% right. A lot of people rush to judgment, and I will say that I was one of those guys, even as a Chiefs fan here on this podcast, Tyreek Hill has never been somebody that I've rooted for and I've been a fan of because I always thought he was kind of a piece of shit, to just be real honest. But now we get the whole story coming out, and you learn that the news station that initially reported everything the night of the draft, they didn't actually put all the information out for him. So it, it feels really bad. Um, I know I've been very hard on Tyreek Hill. I don't know him, and I will say that maybe he is not a stand-up guy. I'm not going to come over here and vouch for his character and who he is because I don't know him. But now that we have the whole story, it, it really does kind of leave a different taste in your mouth where I feel like I can finally actually root for this guy and that maybe he's not as bad of a human being as everybody thought he was. Yeah, it's I'm going to be honest. My opinion doesn't really change much of him. I think 
this story was had all kinds of problems all over it from the way it was reported to we we don't really know all the real details I, I think though him coming out as a draft prospect that was um you know pretty reliable information around him things he had done that is horrible and he's one of those people that is just going to get unlimited chances and here we are so I, I i'm not saying there was grounds to suspend him i am very confused as somebody that covers this league of where the grounds were to suspend Ezekiel Elliott in recent years and why there was no suspension here when you hear the conversation or at least the things that have been said. And I know there was a longer phone call, but I'm very confused as somebody that covers the league at this point, I think is when it comes down to it. When I look at the suspension for the deflating of footballs or the suspension for Ezekiel Elliott and how Tyree Kill now comes out of this and or was even allowed to play in the league in the first place. So it's frustrating. I, I hate topics like this. This isn't the kind of football I ever want to cover or why I got into covering football, but we have to talk about it. And, and it's as simple as that. And Tyreek Hill will be on the field for what we expect to be a full season this year. Yeah. And I, I think what we can do, because we, like I said, we're never going to know the whole story. I, I am with you, Connor. I think it is very concerning that the NFL is not consistent. If I have a complaint with Roger Goodell, it's that. They haven't been con- consistent with, you know, the things that Zeke Elliott gets suspended for versus what Tom Brady gets suspended for versus what um, what the Giants kicker a couple years ago. What, what he doesn't get suspended for, it doesn't feel like there's consistency. What we can do is talk about this from a football perspective, and I would like to remind everyone that I predicted the Chiefs go undefeated a couple shows ago, and oh baby, am I doubling down on that today. I feel good. And I don't know that I'm going to change anything from my prediction. I believe I said they were going to go 12-4. and four. I love Tyreek Hill's game on the field. I mean, obviously, he's an exceptional wide receiver. I just don't know that having a receiver is going to change this offense that much to give them another win or two. So I'm going to stay at 12-4. and four. I think they're still a very good team. I think that they will make it to the AFC Championship game. I hope that they will make it further than that, but I'm going to stay at 12 and four for the Chiefs. Yeah, I believe I had them at 13 wins or 14 wins, and I I think it's going to be something right there. I think where this is going to be more important for them is, you know, what are we going to see from not just Tyreek Hill, but him on the field with a guy like Nicole Hardman with all that speed and obviously probably the best vertical passer in football right now. So I think it's going to be interesting for so so many months we've been talking about, well, can Nicole be ready to come in and replace Tyreek. And now it's no, we've added, you know, we have two of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL lining up. Yeah, I I said on our radio show Saturday that if the first play of the season is not all verts, I don't know what Andy Reid's doing because (laughs) good luck stopping that. I mean, that that offense is just going to be absolutely nuts. Um, So, yeah, that is the big news. It was a Friday news dump. We had been waiting for it. Um, And, I mean, I would love to actually know. I think people tweet at us. Let us know your reaction to it at Stick to Football because this is a complicated story, and it's one that, I do feel like very few people have had their opinions changed. Kind of like, I mean, kind of like you guys said, you know, it's like, well, this is how you felt about him coming out of college. And, and, you know, I think everybody does have like a right to have their own opinion about this dude as a human being. So the Chiefs season, though, about to be very, very exciting. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the NFC South, giving you record predictions, breakout players, MVP, defensive player of the year, the whole shebang right here. 
NFC South time. My my notes say NFC North, and I am I am Ron Burgundy. I will read whatever is in the rundown. Like it's a problem. It in, I'm going to start doing that then, just <laughs> randomly slipping uh, stuff into the rundown I'll and see it. what you come up with. I will say it. NFC South preview. Uh, the Saints uh, ran away with this division last year. Who will take it this year, guys? Let's start with the Carolina Panthers. I have no idea what to expect from this team. I mean, it's like. Cam Newton's shoulder, is it going to stay attached to his body? Can he take the beating of another season? They did draft Greg Little in the second round, you know, to hopefully give him some protection. But then they drafted Will Greer in the third, which kind of worried me. Like, what do they think about Cam Newton long term and health wise? There's not a lot here to get excited about, in my opinion. Brian Burns uh, drafted in the first round. Christian Miller drafted in the fourth. They're going to bring at least some speed on defense. This is a team that I did not love on paper. And we'll get to my record prediction. But my breakout player, I'm going to go with Dante Jackson, second-year corner. Uh, so much speed to his game. And I think one thing that they've done very well in Carolina uh, under Ron Rivera with Eric Washington as defensive coordinator is they develop corners very well. I mean, think about Josh Norman coming out of nowhere and really emerging as, for a time, one of the best corners in football. I think they've done a good job with James Bradbury. I, I really see Dante Jackson with his raw tools getting developed. I think he's going to have a, a monster season. I really like him, and obviously his speed is going to be enough to cover almost anybody in the NFL. I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball, though. I think they had to get Cam Newton some help, and they tried to do that in last year's draft, not this recent one, but the one before that. And I'm going to cheat a little bit and take a receiver that already had a very good season in DJ Moore. I think they drafted him to come in and be the number one receiver. And he had a really solid year last year, missed some games, or sorry, didn't miss games, but didn't start every game. Still was able to catch 55 passes, only two touchdowns. But this is another guy with great athleticism. And I know that they've tried to surround Cam with these big receivers that maybe couldn't separate, but that's not DJ Moore's game. I really like what he can do, and I think Cam's going to target him and make him into this true number one receiver that we have here in Carolina. I'm going to go wide receiver as well. I think this guy really just needs to be on the field and he'll have his breakout season. And that's Curtis Samuel. I mean, they drafted him pretty early a couple of years ago for a reason. They want him to be a playmaker on the field with Christian McCaffrey here. And you look at last year, he had seven total touchdowns. It's a quiet seven touchdowns. He caught uh, five. He ran for two. So you look at the volume there. There are targets in this offense for Curtis Samuel. And I think, once again, there's a tension elsewhere. Is Cam Newton going to be healthy? That's a big question. I hope that he is ready to go full throttle. I think Christian McCaffrey, obviously, is one of the biggest volume players in the NFL right now. The kind of workload that he has to handle, both as a runner and a receiver. But if Curtis Samuel can stay on the field, I think we'll finally see why he was thought of so highly as a prospect this year. Now, you look at this team overall, and, and I just think they're treading water right now. I had them at 6-10. and 10. Could I see 7 or 8 wins? Could I see 5 wins? Yeah, totally. But when you look at it, it, it just there are question marks at the quarterback position health-wise, not talent-wise. There are some holes on paper with this team. And they're in a division where, right now, I just think they're the third best team here. I think that's the problem when it comes down to it. So Carolina is not a bad football team. They've made some improvements overall. But there's not really something that significantly scares you with this team outside of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you. I have him slightly better. Uh, I think a lot of this rides on Cam Newton and how healthy he is this year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, one of my favorite running backs to watch in the entire NFL with the way he can catch the ball. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team, which might be 
scary for Carolina fans because you never want to be sitting in that seven and nine, nine and seven limbo. But I think that's where they're at right now. They're trying to kind of surround Cam with some pieces, uh, but you're picking in the middle of the draft every year. So it might be a little bit difficult. I have them going eight and eight, but the wheels could really fall off this thing if Cam Newton gets hurt. If that shoulder's not healthy, if he's not throwing the ball well, uh, you have to face Aaron Donald and the Rams in week one. So things could go sour there, but I'm going to say eight and eight for the Panthers. Yeah, like I said, guys, I just don't see it on paper. And I, I will say, I've felt that way about this team before, and Ron Rivera has made them a playoff team. So I want to give him credit. But I do wonder if we're getting to a point where that that is going to be a little stale where maybe they do need an infusion of you know new coaches what is going to happen with cam newton i I don't know that enough has been talked about that the fact that you know he had to have shoulder surgery how ready is he going to be what type of player is he going to look like this year i have them at six and ten i think this division outside uh well i mean with atlanta and new orleans the division is very very strong this is a good hard schedule and a team that they need some guys to break out defensively. We, Brian Burns is going to have to produce, and I, I know he has very good technique, very good athleticism. He's going to have to produce highly for them to be competitive, in my opinion. So let's move on to the Falcons, a team that, as long as Matt Ryan is there and Julio Jones is there, they should be contending for a division title every year. And we have seen a little bit of turnover here. They drafted to address this offensive line, and, man, they threw some picks at it. Chris Lidstrom and they traded back in to get Caleb McGarry. So their right guard and right tackle will both be rookies. When I look at a breakout player on this team, I look at Deion Jones at the middle linebacker position. I feel like he is could be on the cusp of becoming one of the better linebackers in football. Uh, go back to 2017 and he had 138 tackles and was really like showing himself like, man, this dude's going to be a stud. Last year only got to play in six games. So does have to bounce back this year. But I, I think we could see him get into that conversation as... You know, when like we've talked about before, Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley, like who are the best linebackers in football, the best middle linebackers, not outside rushers. I think Deion Jones has the talent to become one of those players. Yeah, and I'm going to cheat again. I'm staying with the offensive side, and I'm going with the receiver. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think, was really close to having his breakout year last year, and he had a great season. I'm not trying to talk any crap on him. I really like his game. He had 64 catches and 10 touchdowns. I actually think he's just going to have an even better season next year. I think this is going to be like a Juju Smith-Schuster type season where he might not be the number one receiver there with Julio Jones, but I think he's a guy who can maybe even get to that 80-90 catch season. You look at this Falcons offense, and they've done it before with guys like Roddy White and Julio Jones there, where both of them can produce at the same time, uh, maybe even not have a true number one receiver, but both of them are very good. And I think that's what we're going to see with Calvin Ridley. This He's an exception exceptional route runner you watch this guy he's going to work great opposite of Julio Jones you're going to get your running back back this year they've addressed some needs on the offensive line Matt Ryan coming into another year I really like Calvin Ridley I think he's in a great situation I went on the other side of the ball here a little bit more of a deep cut but somebody where the door should be open for playing time and that's Isaiah Oliver a long lean corner playing in a Falcons defense where you know that front seven can get upfield. You know he has players behind him that are very, very talented in that secondary and running cover kind of linebackers. Matt was talking about it earlier with Deion Jones. So Isaiah Oliver, if he can come in and be an adequate starter at corner for them this year, that would be a really, really big boost for this Falcons team. And I think they were really snake bit last year by the injury bug. They really were. They caught a lot of key big injuries early. Matt Ryan quietly had a fantastic season. Devonta Freeman has to be ready to go this year. 
I think they're a 10-win team. And I think that might even be setting the bar low. I think they're very, very talented. They've been there before. The core of this team is not that different. It's really not from when they were in the Super Bowl. There's no reason they can't be in contention in this division. But more importantly, I think they're one of those teams that's going to come in and be a wild card kind of threat in the playoffs. I have them at 8-8, eight and eight, but honestly, I'm kind of talking myself out of it as I look at this roster. Really, you question that offensive line, but like I already said, they kind of address that using two first-round draft picks to kind of get that offensive line going. I like their defense. You know their coach is going to have them ready to go. So I have them at 8-8 eight and eight on the sheet here. I'm going to bump that up. I'm going to give them one more game. I'm going to say 9-7. and seven. Uh, I do like the Falcons. I'm not in love with Matt Ryan, but he has enough weapons around him that I think they can be successful, and they will be 9-7. and seven. Maybe they can get a couple more wins, get up to that 10-6, and six, like Connor said, maybe even get into a wild card spot. Yeah, I like this team, and I'm so glad that you pointed out Isaiah Oliver, Connor, because I loved him uh, coming out of Colorado, and I, I do think he just needed a little bit of time to develop, um, and, and we're going to see him become a good corner. I have this team at 9-7 and seven as well. I think they are going to be competing for a wild-card spot with teams like the Packers, uh, who we previewed last show. And this, this just They're solid. And I'm like you guys said, they were so beat up last year. And I know we're expecting a lot of a rookie right guard and a rookie tackle, but they have pass rushers. They got linebackers that can run and fly all over the field. And they have emerging guys in the secondary. I still like Desmond Truff on a lot of corners. So they, they have enough playmakers. And they might have the best receiver in football. And like Mello said with Calvin Ridley, like that dude is on the cusp of a breakout. He had a, a quietly hot start to his rookie year. So the Falcons at 9-7 and seven for me and Mello. Connor's got him at 10-6. and six. When we come back, we're going to be the Saints and Bucks, and then hand out some division awards. The New Orleans Saints, one of the most exciting teams in football, definitely over the last three seasons. They've been so close to making it to a Super Bowl. This might be the year they get it done. I mean, the roster has not seen a ton of turnover. You still have Drew Brees, which is most important. You got Mike Thomas. You got Alvin Kamara. They drafted Eric McCoy to play center. I think that's a huge addition for them. They picked him up in the second round. It's a team that didn't have a lot of draft picks because they traded up to get Marcus Davenport in the first round of the 2018 class. Guys, my breakout player is not Marcus Davenport. It's someone that does play defense. I think strong safety, Von Bell, should be more of a name than he has been. This is his contract season, fourth year in the NFL. And he has averaged, I believe, around 80 tackles in his three years playing everywhere for them. He's played corner, strong safety, free safety, linebacker. And he is just a matchup problem in the secondary. Coming out of, Ohio, out of Ohio State, he doesn't get the interceptions, which is why I don't think we talk about him a lot. He's never had a pick in the NFL. But what he does in the box, taking away running quarterbacks, tight ends, slant routes, he, he's very impactful. So I think Von Bill is not getting enough attention. And I'm going with the ultimate dark horse sleeper pick here. Uh, I don't even know if many of our fans are even know who this guy is. But our preseason season starts, I believe, August 1st. And Austin Carr is a guy that really grabbed my attention a couple of years ago. Playing in the preseason, he was actually with the Patriots at the time. Looks like another great Patriots receiver. They tried to stash him on practice squad, but then the Saints picked him up. 
He didn't do anything at all last year. I just really like this guy, and I want to see him win that number three or four receiver spot. He only had nine catches last year, two touchdowns, but I really like what he can do underneath in the slot. You already have Mike Thomas on the outside. You have Smith that can play on the outside. Even Ted Ginn, who thought he was the fastest receiver in the league. (laughs) I like what Austin Carr can do, and just coming in and being another weapon for them underneath and getting involved in this passing game. You know Drew Brees is going to throw the football, and I hope he finds Austin Carr a couple times. Well, I'm going to throw the dart as at a receiver as well here, Melo, because when you're in that New Orleans offense, uh, there's a chance that just tons of different guys make an impact at wide receiver. I'm going with Traquan Smith. He did have an impact in some games last year when the ball came his way. I mean, he caught five touchdowns. He went over 400 yards. So, listen, in his first season, too, let's be real here with that. So I think the speed is there for Traquan Smith to make an impact. We know Michael Thomas is going to really carve people up at every level of the field. Alvin Kamara, what he does underneath. You talk about Austin Carr. I look at Traquan Smith. It's just a volume thing in this offense. If they're going to give him targets, if they're going to set him up for success, I think he's going to take advantage of it. So that would be my pick from this Saints offense that – Let's be real. I mean, a lot of the key guys besides Mark Ingram are back here are going to eat a lot of that workload up. And I think this is a 13 and three team. I think it's very, very talented team. If Drew Brees has just one more really, really strong year in him, they should be in the Super Bowl. It's as simple as that. They have that kind of talent on both sides of the football across the ball on offense. And like Matt alluded to earlier, they got some reinforcements or an upgrade there on the interior of the offensive line and Eric McCoy. That's a huge, huge step for this team. We know what they have on defense, whether it's Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, the safeties on the back end or at linebacker. I like this team a lot. They're well coached. They have a lot of talent and they're going to be one of the best teams in football this year. Yeah. And I'm agreeing with you. I have them going 12 and four. I really like this team. I really like Drew Brees. I would like to see him even maybe get one more Super Bowl before he rides off into the sunset. I like the value of Eric McCoy in the second round. I think he actually probably could have been a first round center. I really like his game. They also have Lil Jordan Humphrey, who's going to come in at receiver, who I know ran like a 4940, <laughs> which is only actually a little bit of an exaggeration. I think that he can play because he plays a lot faster than that. They're obviously going to put points up. We failed to mention Taysom Hill so far, I believe, and JT Barrett, who maybe those two guys can get on the field with whatever you know their head coach is doing, Sean Payton. You know he likes to get creative. I like their running backs even. They bring in Murray out of Minnesota to take the spot of what they're going to be missing with Mark Ingram. Another guy, though, that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Alvin Kamara developing. Maybe we see him take a jump this year and become an every-down running back where he can get in and take some carries now that he's not splitting it. Uh, Marcus Davenport could develop in this next year. I love the secondary. Eli Apple really turned it around last year when he was with the Saints. So I'm going 12-4, and and I think this is one of the most talented teams in the NFC. I'm not going to argue with you guys today. I don't have the energy, number one, but I also just don't disagree. I think 12 and four as well. Mello just listed every player on their roster, so I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to highlight uh, who else they have. I mean, this is just a really well coached team. Uh, in every facet of the game. And I am excited to see what Sean Payton draws up this year, how to get all these guys involved. I have them at 12 and four. And I, I know soon we're going to tell you like who we think's winning the Super Bowl, who we think's, you know, making the, the playoffs and everything. I, I think the Saints have a very good chance to go very, very far this year. They're just that talented. So let's move on to the Bucs uh, from maybe the most talented team in the NFC to what I think might be the least talented team. And I was telling Mello as we were driving today, it was like, 
I don't like this team. I I don't. Ooh, and I I gosh. hope they prove me wrong, right? But it's like holy shit, they're they're not that good. They're there's really not. The only thing that scares me is Bruce Arians is a very good coach, but this offensive line not good. They don't have a running back. Uh, uh, sorry, Peyton Barber. No disrespect. Ronald Jones has to break out of whatever the hell happened to him last year. D line is old as shit. I mean, they're just not that good. So how do you pick a breakout player from that warm review I just gave this team? I think we see Chris Godwin step up this year. There were so many hints last year that he was he was just close. Now that Deshaun Jackson's gone, I think we see him break out. He had 59 catches last year, seven TDs. Now we're going to see that really pick up, I believe so. This third year in the NFL for receivers, oftentimes that's like a watershed moment for them where you really see them take that next step. Bruce Arians is fantastic at scheming the passing game. One of the best to do it in the last 25 years in the NFL. So I do think we see Chris Godwin. I don't know who's going to throw him the ball because I do not believe in Jameis Winston, but Chris Godwin should. He has the talent to have a breakout year. And I'm going to stay with an offensive weapon there too. Maybe it's Blaine Gabbard that ends up throwing him the ball or maybe it's Ryan Griffin. Oh, God. It doesn't sound great, and maybe it's Nick Fitzgerald. I don't know. There's a lot of depth there at quarterback, (laughs) but I'm waiting for O.J. Howard to have his breakout season. I loved him coming out of Alabama. He looked like one of the best tight ends we've seen in recent history until we saw these Iowa boys, but what he did last year, even missing some games, still was able to catch 34 passes and five touchdowns, and he's averaging over 16 yards a catch at the tight end position. It shows how athletic he is but he can also block as well. If they can just get some kind of consistency with that offensive line, the running game, and the quarterback, if you can just handle those three things, I think O.J. Howard is set to have a breakout season, and I'm ready for it because I love what he was able to do at Alabama. I'm not going to lie. After you guys put in your breakouts for this team in the rundown with Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard, I had a tough time with this I really (laughs) I jumped on OJ Howard quick (laughs) I really wanted to say Ronald Jones after whatever the hell that was last year I just wouldn't put my name behind it right now I did find a player that I forgot signed here and I loved him as a rotational player in Denver and that's Shaq Barrett I I think Shaq Barrett's just one of those players where he can quietly come in and have six to eight sacks time and time again and, and he was really buried in Denver for a long time. They've just been one of the rare teams in the last decade to have an abundance of edge rushers, which is something that most teams can never even find one of. But Barrett was somebody that chipped in once in a while. I mean, his second year in the league, he had five and a half sacks. And then two years later, he had four sacks. And it was in such a limited role. He wasn't a starter. He was really a backup player that got, you know, rotational pass rush reps. So now he's going to a team where Jason Pierre-Paul, is, is uh, his future's up in the air here right now, health-wise. We don't know what's going to happen with this pass rush. Uh, Noah Spence just has not been the guy they hoped. Carl Nassib came in strong for them after being cut by the Browns last year, but the point is there's an opportunity for Shaq Barrett here, especially with Todd Bowles there. Hopefully he lets him just go, uh, you know, pin his ears back and get to the quarterback. I- I'm with what Matt said earlier, though, here, and I'm sure Melo's not going to be too far behind agreeing with us. I think this is a 4-12 and 12 team. I believe in Bruce Arians. I don't know how long he's going to be there or if it'll be enough time to fix this mess right now. I just watched Todd Bowles very closely for the last couple of years. He's a very good defensive coordinator, and maybe he'll find his success again, but he has no talent there to work with right now. Outside of Devin White and a few players, it's very hard for me 
to just believe in this team right now more than four wins. And I'm sorry, Bucks fans. I really am. But I just think they're in the middle of they don't know. Should we rebuild with a new quarterback or should we try to find someone to fix him? And we still need to replace a lot of parts on defense. We don't have a running back right now. Uh, all I can say is I kind of feel bad for Mike Evans right now. Yeah, uh, you have to because he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Easily. And Top he's been five. paired up with Jameis Winston for, I, mean, I think, his whole career. And I'm going to be very hard on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a team that I actually used to root for when I was little. We gave Mike Allstott and Lorenzo Neal love. Uh, also work done last week, and that's the reason why. So I don't hate your team. Just remember that, Bucks fans. I do hate the roster, though. I think these guys are going to go 2-14. and 14. I think if it weren't for Bruce Arians, they might go 0-16. Jameis Winston, maybe he comes in motivated, but how many times have you heard that story? Maybe he's finally got his shit together. But we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it on the field. We haven't seen it off the field. And I don't like the other options that they have at quarterback. I don't know if I need to read them off again, but you have Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, and Nick Fitzgerald. I actually think by the end of the season, we might get to see some Nick Fitzgerald in more than just a Taysom Hill role. I just, I really don't like the talent on offense. They're wasting away Mike Evans. They don't have a running back. Maybe they can get OJ Howard involved, but I still don't think a tight end is going to produce wins for you. The defense looks terrible. They have aging stars like Sue and Pierre Paul, but I just don't think they're going to get it done. Not when you have to face the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons. There's a lot of good teams here, and they have to face more good teams outside of the division. So I think it's going to be a rough year for the Bucks fans, but at least you're drafting high for these quarterbacks next year. I was going to say, you might want to put this team on the clock. They need to be on the road looking, scouting quarterbacks. It's a, it's a contract year for Jameis Winston. He's done nothing to make me think that he can turn this around. And I, I, like, I, I get it. Bruce Arians is the quarterback whisperer. You know what? He's also had some just pretty damn talented quarterbacks to work with. It's not like he's taken a bad quarterback and made them good. So when I look at this division, man, and I, I see the Saints and the Falcons, that's four losses automatically. This schedule is going to be tough for a team that is completely new coaching staff. There's no carryover. Everything's changing. The scheme on defense is going to be changing. I just I don't see it this year. I have them at four and twelve, and I would not be surprised if they are drafting first overall, especially if Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback for all sixteen games. Uh, he'll probably lead the NFL in interceptions if that's the case. Hashtag two at a Tampa. <laughs> It's time to hand out some hardware, guys. And when you talk about division MVP, I think you have to start with Drew Brees, who, come on, the guy should have more league MVPs than he does. He's been one of the best players in football for a long, long time. 41 years old, still amazing. And even though he did not look great in that playoff game, uh, I still think he's going to be just fine this year. He'll put up the numbers. They'll win enough games that if you want to know the NFC South MVP, it's Drew Brees. Yeah, and I think you can look back at our breakout players even for the Saints. Connor and I both went with a receiver, and I think it's no surprise that Drew Brees has a lot to do with that, and that's why I'm going to stay with Drew Brees as well. This guy's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's been doing it for a million years, and I think that he definitely gets it done this year. This might be his swan song. He just rides off into the sunset. Maybe the Saints even get him a Super Bowl, but I think he's definitely going to be the division MVP here. I'm a believer that Drew Brees is going to win this division, but I'm going with Matt Ryan to be the MVP of it. I think quietly last year, he was phenomenal. He almost completed 70% of his passes, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, almost 5,000 yards. I mean, he really, the way he plays with this Atlanta core now, you talk about Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, hopefully a healthy Devontae Freeman, and two new highly drafted offensive linemen 
we should see the best version of Matt Ryan that can we can. And, and that's an MVP caliber player in this division. So I, I love Drew Brees. I think he's going to have a huge year. But I think Matt Ryan could really win the numbers game. Oh, Matty Ice. That's the, if I could ever give myself a nickname, it would be that. You gave yourself a nickname. No, I want to I undo <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, people forget. I want to undo that one. He wants a redo. <laughs> that oh, one was no. so bad that I don't want to talk about it. I hope people know what we're talking about right now. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, people should tweet at us if they do know his nickname. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, the iTunes know, review it, this week. If you know my secret nickname, you go to the Instagram oh, live. That's nickname. one of my <laughs> One of the greatest Instagram lives of all time. It really was. You know what? Here's the truth about behind the scenes at Stick to Football. Our our recording device did it drunk. Like, malfunctioned. <laughs> yeah, and yes, we've been drinking. We've already done this segment once, and there was no mention of my dumb nickname or that Instagram live. But because we had to redo it, son of a bitch. All right, defensive player of the year in the NFC South. Uh, I really, really like Grady Jarrett, and I tend to think of this of like, okay, I need somebody that's going to get the numbers and have the impact to be a standout player, not just who's the best defensive player, because you could pick a handful of other guys, but I really think Grady Jarrett, now that he got paid, I think we're going to see him continue to break out. He has been one of the best kept secrets in football for the past couple of years. I mean, this dude is like... I mean, he's a poor man's Aaron Donald, basically, you know, six foot tall, 300 pounds. No, he doesn't get the sacks that Aaron Donald does, but he had six last year. He just keeps getting more. I think we see him get double digits this year. I think he's the perfect fit for that defense and what they want. Dan Quinn, I think that if he could build a three tech, he would build Grady Jarrett. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. I'm actually going Luke Keekley. Uh, a lot of people forgot about how good he still is. I know that he's battled some concussions and he's missed some time and he's talked about how he stays on the field and he plays through it. I uh, didn't miss a start last year. I think he's still one of the best linebackers in the league. I think he's definitely the best linebacker in this division. He's probably going to have more than 120 tackles. So I'm going to put him down for our division defensive player of the year. I probably let the Saints fans down by not picking Drew Brees before, but I'm going to bring you back up for division defensive player of the year and go Cam Jordan. I, I mean, you talk about right here, 25 sacks over the last two seasons. He's been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal for them as a pass rusher, as a run defender, you know, they go out and they get Marcus Davenport last year to hopefully take some pressure off him. We still got to see him get that job done. So Cam Jordan has been carrying a very heavy load up front for that New Orleans defense, and, and he's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And with him and Sheldon Rankins up there, like I said, if, if Davenport can get going, this could be a really good group with that secondary behind them. I really hope we see Marcus Davenport just take off this year. I mean, he watching him at the senior bowl. a lot for him. Yeah, yeah, they did. Watch him at the Senior Bowl. It's like week, day one. Like, eh, he's not that good. Day two, that looks pretty good. Day three, oh, man, he's special. And then in the game, it was he was unstoppable. So, rookie of the year, something that Marcus Davenport wasn't last year. I have to go with Devin White here, guys. He is going to step into that hole created by Quan Alexander leaving a free agency. And I think he'll do a better job than Quan did. He's a better tackler. He is so physical, so fast, smart, instinctive. Devin White is everything you want in a middle linebacker, and he is in a scheme that really is designed for him to just run and make a ton of tackles. So I I think he's going to have a big year. Maybe not like Darius Leonard last year, big, because that was just not fair, but a very good year. I like Devin White a lot, and I would actually pick him for my uh, rookie of the year, too. I do want to throw out another name, though, and that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a player that I know we loved here at Stick to Football, and his versatility and what he can do in the secondary. 
He's in the NFL now, so I don't think people give a shit about is he a safety, is he a corner. You just play this guy all over the field. He's going to be with the Saints this year. They have a very talented secondary, so I think if they can come in and use him in the right way, he's another guy that could be up there. My official pick is going to be Devin White, but I really like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as well. And I'm going to take my guy Brian Burns here. I think the Panthers have done a nice job now putting some talent around him on this defensive line with the most recent signing being adding Gerald McCoy very late. Hopefully Burns is in a role here where he's asked to just pin his ears back, get up fields, get after the quarterback, force the ball out early, especially in this division where those opportunities should be there. I think Brian Burns can have eight to 10 sacks this year. I'm really rooting for him to have eight to 10 sacks and sticking in the division here, our next category, division most improved player. I'm staying with the Panthers here. I'm going with Curtis Samuel. He was my breakout for them when we talked about this team earlier. I think he can really, really improve as a wide receiver, as a go-to target for Cam Newton. As long as Cam could stay on the field, he should really, really look Curtis Samuel's way. Because teams know about Christian McCaffrey now. They're well, well versed in what he can do. DJ Moore is going to have some eyes on him, and that should open the door for Samuel to get those number three kind of targets. And I'm cheating big time here, but I do think Devonta Freeman is going to have a very big year coming off of that injury. There's a reason why the Falcons just let a guy like Tevin Coleman walk in free agency. There's a reason why they didn't try to replace and get a number two running back. They're, they're happy with Edo Smith and Brian Hill. So that tells me they must be very happy with what Devonta Freeman is doing. We already talked about Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, who are going to be exceptional on the offense. And they also added two first round picks on that offensive line. I think a lot of this offense is going to get going with the running game. And that means Devonta Freeman is going to have a very big year and not just improved because he only played two games last year. I think he's actually going to have the best year of his entire career. Yeah, I love Devonta Freeman. He's one of the highest paid running backs in football for a reason. The dude is talented, but he's not in that like Todd Gurley, Saquon, no. Lev conversation. Might be after this year. My most approved player, someone we talked about earlier, guys, I think it's Deion Jones. He is going to just run, chase, tackle i think we see him really break out this year um and and like i said with devin white like these players the athleticism that they bring to the table and the scheme that they're in is so perfect jones back healthy this year is going to be huge he is the prototype i think for what we should be looking for with modern linebackers you know 6'1 230 he can run cover tackle go back to what he did as a rookie the dude had three interceptions Two return for touchdowns, over 100 tackles, and then he had 138 tackles the next year, as well as three interceptions. He had two picks last year, even though he only played in six games. So Deion Jones should be talked about much more as one of the best linebackers in football. That's my rant. And that's our show, guys. Connor, turn your air on, buddy. It's like 140 degrees in there, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, you're done. I'm out All of right. gas. We'll be back Wednesday morning. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we just do one show that time instead of the extra segments that we did tonight. But we'll be breaking down the NFC West. We finally get to talk about my 49ers. I've been waiting for eight shows to talk about my team. We'll do it Wednesday for Connor and Mello. You guys have a great Monday. 